You're listening to the Smoke Signals Podcast, hosted by Jake Dungan and other IBI contributors. We're talking tribe. Well, good day, good afternoon, and good evening. Wherever and whenever you happen to be tuning in, we are glad to have you aboard. I'm Jake Dungan, Senior Contributor for Indians Baseball Insider, welcoming you to this week's edition of the Smoke Signals Podcast. And we actually have a little bit of some uh, happy Indians baseball talk to discuss, as they've been playing better, at least to end the homestand. Uh, We actually have eyewitness reports of their most recent walk-off win from our Editor-in-Chief, Justin Lada. Justin, how's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Two straight Indians wins, so I definitely think you're right. We have reason to be in a positive mood for the first time in a few podcasts. Yeah, I mean, uh, two walk-off wins in the, over the past week. You got Tyler Naquin with the walk-off single against the Mariners. Jose Ramirez crushing that two-run uh, walk-off homer against the White Sox the other day. Um, you, were, of course, were at that game and had to be an exciting atmosphere and probably a... Uh, a nice uh, little breath of fresh air after everything and all the frustrations that we've had to endure with the Indians so far this season. Yeah, especially for Jose Ramirez. I mean, if anybody needed that walk-off home run more, I I would be hard-pressed to see who it would be, especially on the Indians. And to hit a fastball like he did off Kelvin Herrera, it's not like, like he hit it off some random reliever, and it's not like he you know, got lucky. I mean, he pummeled a 96-mile-an-hour fastball and turned on it like he did last year. He has been able to tune up uh, Kelvin Herrera a time or two for for some uh, key late-inning uh, last at-bat wins, so uh, I'm, not, I'm not that surprised. I mean, Herrera has had his dominance against the Tribe as well, as he's a very dominant reliever, but uh, I know they've done had their successes against him, so... Um, yeah, good to see... Th- Good to see Ramirez do that. That's actually was his first walk off home run of his career. He's had a few walk off hits, but uh, never any that have left the park. Yeah, I was kind of surprised by that too. I always thought, I know, I remember he had the one against Detroit after Carrasco broke his hand in 2016. That was a single, but yeah, I, I don't recall. Um, I, 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 if you would have said that was his first, or if you would have said that was his second one, I would have believed. I would have looked it up because I would just assume he's done it before. Yeah, well, watching the, that highlight, it was seems like the team was uh, pretty happy to see that uh, see him come through on that too. Probably felt good to him and felt good to the entire team with everything they've had to deal with, with injuries and struggles and everything else, especially on offense. So to see them come through with a nice rally, comeback win. Well, they were t- it was a tie game, so they were able to uh, come through in that last that bad before forcing extra innings. Um, very nice to see that, uh, of course, Tyler Nakon with the pinch hit to, uh, wa- walk-off single against the Mariners last <coughs> week, uh, another great, uh, another cool moment there, um, so, uh, yeah, some, uh, some nice moments, uh, of course, we had Jordan Luplo in the game today as we recorded this on Thursday, uh, hit a cu- pair of two-run, or a pair of, uh, home runs, each going 420-plus feet. The only other Indian to do that was Edwin Encarnacion last season. Uh, that's actually a, quite an accomplishment to hit two, not only to hit two home runs in a game, but to hit two that traveled so far. I saw the second one. That landed in Heritage Park. That was uh, that was something else. So, and quite an unexpected source, uh, Jordan Luplo, who hasn't played all that well so far this season. But maybe this is the kind of thing that can help him get going because... I actually do believe that he could be a productive major leaguer. Maybe not an all-star, but I think he could be. Uh, I think he could be a solid uh, contributor for the Indians if uh, he's able to find a stride in the majors. I mean, he had decent numbers in the minors, and he just hasn't had a chance to play. I mean, when you're playing Tyler Naquin and Carlos Gonzalez every day, and Leonis Martinez pretty much the only center fielder on the roster, it's kind of hard to get playing time, even though. The guys like we just named aren't doing that great. You feel like if the other guys have a tough day, you just throw them in there. But maybe he will from now on. Maybe he'll get a, uh, you know, some more playing time. Yeah, it's definitely the kind of thing that can curry favor with the uh, 
with Frank Conan and the rest of the team, so uh wouldn't be surprised. I was kind of surprised to see him playing center field. I mean, I don't know how often he's played that in the minors. I thought, always thought of him as more of a corner outfield guy, but uh, he made a uh, he made a nice catch today, uh, he, uh, tracking a ball back all the way to the warning track in deep center. So um, I guess he is capable of doing it. I don't, I don't know how often he's gonna he's gonna do that uh, over the course of the season. But I was kind of surprised to turn on the game and see him out in center today. Yeah, I think he played center field uh, the one day that Martin missed, too, or two days, whatever it was. I think he finished in center field. I mean, there's nobody else on the roster who can do it. I mean, you're not putting I mean, Greg Gonzalez. Allen's, Greg Allen's yeah. down now, so. Oh, and geez, please, please don't put Tyron Aquin in center field. It might make us all have flashbacks. Oh, yes, yeah. So, yeah, I guess uh, Luplo does kind of become the default fourth outfielder now, and uh Maybe so Kevin guess, Walker can play center field. He can he can be a reliever. He can be a catcher. You know, maybe he can be a center fielder too. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but uh, so yeah, some happy notes there. Uh, we also saw Max Moroff designated for assignment. Kind of a surprising move. The Indians opting to go with uh, Mike Freeman as their utility infielder over Moroff, who, albeit hasn't played that well, he struggled so far this year, but. I think we were all expecting him to be the utility infielder uh, for most of, if not all, of this season. So to see him, to see the Indians uh, cut ties with him so early, uh, it's kind of a surprise, especially when they acquired him in the off season, and for Eric Gonzalez along with Luplo, um, I was thinking the plan was both of them would remain on the roster for at least more than a month. Yeah, that was really bizarre to keep Mike Freeman over him. I mean, I don't, I don't really know what what their thought process was on that. I mean, Morov's been a reliable infield and had some pop, and is part of that trade. Although we haven't heard anything about it, so it sounds like he might clear waivers and they'll keep him. Which I'm not surprised by. I just, I don't know. I figured Mike Freeman would be the guy to go, but they obviously he's he's another left-handed hitter. I don't know. Is, it wasn't Morov a switch hitter. Yeah, more off a bat. Yeah, yeah more off a switch hitter. Uh, he was batting a uh, buck twenty-five right. in uh, thirty-five plate appearances. Uh, so yeah, he didn't get a lot of at bats and a lot of playing time, but you know he didn't do much with what he got. Uh, striking out forty-five percent of the time. I mean that's not good, even though even a small sample size. Uh, no, but Freeman's never really been a shortstop in his career. He's more of a second baseman. So it's weird that with Lindor. Maybe I guess Lindor must be ready to play every day now because they really don't have another true shortstop on the roster. So I guess Freeman's going to have to fake it on when they the day off. That that was the bizarre thing. That's another interesting point because yeah, Moroff could easily play shortstop, um, and now we're stuck with a guy with Freeman who maybe has played some shortstop in his career, but he's not he's not probably well seasoned in it. Um, but I guess they trust him enough to do so. And, you know, Moroff had some pop. He had a home run this this year already. Um, Freeman had some ho- a couple home runs for Columbus before coming up. Um, so, But he's not typically been a power hitter in his career, I know. So the question I have is, you know, in addition to him not being a traditional shortstop, I mean, I'm pulling up his numbers now as far as his fielding goes and everything and you know so far this season he's been batting uh a buck 76 and 10 i mean it's only 10 games uh he doesn't have any home runs and i don't even i don't even know if he has any extra base hits no he doesn't so he only has three hits all of them singles he's driven in three he's he's a quarter run he's drawn four walks and seven strikeouts so that's not a terrible ratio but Again, I just question what kind of what kind of uh, experience that the Indians are able to uh, trust him in the field. I mean, I'm looking at his major league splits right now as far as fielding goes. He's played only 97 two-third innings at shortstop. I mean, that is a significant number. That's the most of any other position he's played other than even including second base. Uh yeah. So I guess he does uh, have a little more experience than we expected, but uh, even so, I didn't I expect that. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how much uh, 
looking at his, looking at his advanced fielding metrics here on Fangraphs. I mean, they liked the, him in spring training. I think I think he got hurt in spring training, and that's why he probably didn't make the club out of initially. But I remember Frank Kona saying they really liked him, so obviously he's doing he's got something. I mean, in his career at shortstop, he's got zero uh, defensive run save, which isn't great, but at least he's not in a negative, and his UZR is only, isn't a negative, but only by uh, .3 points, so, uh, you know, at second base, he's got a minus 2 defensive run saved, and a minus uh, 0.5 UZR, he's played some first base, he's even played a, a few innings in the outfield, uh, I don't know if the Indians expect him to do that, but I guess he's... I guess, if anything, he's serviceable as an uh, all-around fielder. So uh, maybe uh, expectations our expectations were a little too low on him. Maybe he can be a serviceable utility guy. I was just gonna, kind of surprised they would do that over... Go with him over Max Moroff, who's younger. Uh, had a little bit more of a pe- prospect pedigree when he was coming up. And we fully expected him to be utility infielder for the Tribe. I mean, I know it's not a... Uh, a real impact position, but uh, Indians have kind of shuffled through a few names already now with Eric Stamets, Max Moroff, and now you got Mike Freeman. You know, they're trying to find somebody who they can uh, settle on and rely on moving forward. And it's tough to replace Eric Gonzalez, let's face it. Gonzalez had his warts, but he was about as good a utility infielder as you were going to get in the major leagues, other than maybe those super utility guys like Ben Zobris and Josh Harrison um, or Brock Holt. But uh, when it came to like pure utility guys, it, Eric Gonzalez was as good as it gets, so trying to replace him is definitely no easy task, even for a a secondary role like a utility infielder fills. Yeah, not playing every day. Like, that that probably hurt Gonzalez. I mean, that was just a really weird trade overall, especially now that they cut more off. I know Luplo was, like, the key to that deal, but Gonzalez was a gold glover defensively, just and it could, could have played short second or third or even first at times. That was just a bizarre inclusion of him. I guess maybe that's who they had to give up to get Max Moroff, but I would I would – like to think they would have liked to have Gonzalez with Lindor being out in January, you know, when he got hurt. But now we're looking at Mike Freeman and for who knows how long. I don't think Yu Chang's still in the DL, so he's not an option anytime soon, and I don't know who else is. So you're looking at Mike Freeman starting once every four or five days, I guess, until they figure something else out. Certainly seems that way. Well, we'll see what happens. And as you said, there hasn't been any uh, action on the waiver wire as far as anybody claiming him. And it has been uh, a few days now. So maybe he does clear waivers and end up back in Columbus. So uh, we shall see. But um, let's talk a little bit about, uh, give an update first on Corey Kluber, who says he plans to pitch again this season. Um, But the team has been very uh, hush-hush on his timetable for return even after all the test results have come back um he doesn't need surgery we do know that for sure but from here on out what his options are it there aren't any firm reports out i mean there's some optimi- the optimistic uh expectation at this point is that he would be back by august but with that being opti optimistic uh i don't know we've talked about this before what the reasonable expectation is at this point but it's it certainly seems like the best case scenario if he is back by august then okay then that gives a little time for him to come back but who knows what he would look like once they got to the playoffs if they even are in the playoffs i mean looking at the standings they're four games behind the twins so who knows if playoffs are a guarantee at this point but uh if they are in the playoffs, uh, what does Kluber's injury do to him? Is he going to be ready? And if it's even later, if he comes back, say, in mid to late September, is he even a starting pitching option? So Kluber says, he's, as I said, he's going to try to pitch again in 2019. In his words, he says he doesn't have a plan not to pitch. So uh, 
The question is, if he can pitch again this season, what are the expectations for him? Is he going to be any semblance of what the Indians need him to be? And is he even going to be a starter if he comes back uh, that late in the season? Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's such a tough question. I mean, you know, he didn't have any command. Like, his command was as bad as we've ever seen it. And now he can't work on it while he's on DL because he broke his arm. Like, if he would have run the DL for anything else, maybe he could have, like, done some throwing or doing something to work on his command. Now he's kind of stuck where he is. So not only does he have to come back and get into pitching shape if the arm recovers like the way it's supposed to, you know, then he's got to go back and try to figure out whatever was going wrong before. I I would probably guess a reliever if he does come back. It's just it, – it's, it's going to be really complicated. I mean, they don't even know when he can start doing anything of the arm yet because he can't even be in the dugout because he has to avoid the arm being moved out of out of its place so the, the bone doesn't fracture. It's, it's a non-displaced fracture. So if it moves too much, then it becomes displaced, which is – probably season ending at that point. So first he's got to avoid that problem before he gets the hard cast. And then you can talk about him coming back. So man, who knows? I, if he throws a pitch again this year for the Indians, it might be, it really might be a bonus and, and a competitive one at that was, like I said, is his command issues. Like, I don't know what you can expect from him coming back. He's almost in Danny sales, our territory at this, at this point, at least for 2019. Yeah, I mean, I'm not ready to put that kind of put that kind of sentence on his head, but uh, I will say that you know, based on the information we've seen, this type of injury usually takes four to six weeks just to heal properly, and then after that, there's the whole strength and conditioning program before he can even begin uh, rehab assignments and pick up a baseball. So yeah, we're definitely looking at a weeks and months long process before. We're even talking about Kluber returning to the mound for the Indians, which, in what capacity, who knows at this point. So uh, we'll certainly keep our uh, eyes and ears open for any updates that the Indians are willing to give out, but uh, they've been very careful about uh, sharing any details at this point, which, you know, given their recent history with uh, how they've uh, broken the news on injuries and how they've reported injuries, I don't blame them because they've made some gaffes in the past as far as giving out uh, the wrong expectations for what's going on with a player in his, in his injury. I mean, they're usually pretty tight-lipped about that anyway, but it seems like when they have opened their mouths, it's been the information and expectations they have put out there have not been fully developed and fully uh, fledged and fully fledged out. Uh, that makes any sense. Well, with, at least with this one, they have, like I said, they have to wait until they get the clear that his arm, that while but while he's waiting for the hard cast, that the fracture doesn't become um, displaced, you know, by jostling it around. So, hopefully, that isn't the case. But it's really hard to tell with an injury like this. Yeah, that's right. So, um. I mean, when you break your pitching arm and you're a pitcher, that's, I don't know, that's pretty bad. That's not good to break the arm you throw with. It's one thing to have Tommy John and a shoulder problem. Those are all bad, but, you know, a broken arm is not good. Yes, yeah, it's, it's just another another injury on top of what has been just an unfortunate situation for the Indians all around as far as uh player health issues go, I mean, you know, we had Lindor's injury, that kind of started this downward spiral, and then, and then uh, it turned into, you know, Kipnis getting, missing the start of the season, and then Mike Clevenger, just when things were starting to look up, Mike Clevenger gets hurt, then uh, Corey Kluber's broken arm, it's just, it seems like each injury after the next just be- increases in severity, so, you know, it, Hopefully these other players watch themselves because this is not a good trend that's been developing here. So, do we and, want to get Danny Sells our situation because that's news. <laughs> oh man, I, I, I know mean, we didn't plan for it, but it's it's a thing. It happened. Yeah, I know it's 
I mean, I haven't even, I haven't even been following the whole story. Is there is there new developments on that? Yeah, he uh, had to go see Dr. Keith Meister last week, earlier. Yeah, it was last week for sure. Uh, he said he felt good after a certain bullpen, and then uh, the day later he did not feel good, and it was a shoulder again, so he is temporarily shut down. He went to go see um, Dr. Keith Meister, who did a shoulder surgery last year. So things are going good. <laughs> Everything's fine. That's that's that, well. That's the usual for Danny Salazar. Unfortunately, is <coughs> you know, I feel good, and that doesn't feel good the next day. So, don't don't expect to turn on your TV on and see Danny Salazar pitching anytime soon. Does he pitch? Let's make a prediction right now. Does he pitch an, another inning for the Indians uh, in his no. career? No. I I don't think so either. I think that the Indians try to show good faith in him this year with this. Ex- with this uh, contract, but I just don't see it. I I, I don't see them uh, putting any more money into into him when you know they're already tight on funds as it is. I was kind of surprised they did so anyway with everything that's happened over the off season and how it played out. It kind of seem it really did seem kind of out of place for them. That de- I know it wasn't a ton of money as far as major league baseball uh, standards go, but for them to commit uh, that kind of dollar figure to a guy who hasn't pitched in over a year, and you know hasn't mm-hmm. been it hasn't been an all star in a couple of years, and for them to do that in conjunction with everything else, it really seemed out of place. And I don't understand. It's hard for me to kind of understand what the logic was behind it, given everything else that's uh, played out the way it has. And here's another question. We don't have to get too deep into it because it would take up the rest of our time. But is it a guarantee that the Indians pick up Corey Kluber's $17 million option at the end of this year or give him the $1 million buyout? Do you think it's a guarantee they pick his option up? Uh, I th- I want to say yes. $17 million. $17 million. I I want to say yes just because he has the tenure and everything. But, you know, so did Michael Brantley and – you know, and so did Josh Tomlin. Although I can understand things more with Tomlin. Um, gosh, I don't know. And it depends on. Uh, I mean, there's no. It depends on the escalators with Lindor and Ramirez and everybody else and Bauer. Um, I don't know. I, I my gut wants to say yet. My heart wants to say yes, but my gut isn't so sure at this point as it was maybe even just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, probably, I find, I think they will, but the problem me, probably, at least it's going to be a conversation not to, especially with their payroll, like you know, seventeen million dollars to this team to pick up Corey Kluber. What does that, what does that look, what, what does that do for them if they drop that? Of course, you know, you lose him. That's bad luck, but. I think at the very least, it's going to be something that has to be talked about. Yeah, and I don't think they'll ultimately do it, though. Even if they do, even if they do uh, end up picking it up, I think there will be more of a conversation about it. I don't think it's going to be a given. So, at that very least, I think that would be more of an open conversation uh, versus whether or not they actually do it or not. Um, Along those lines, with Corey Kluber being on the uh, IL Cody Anderson came up and filled in for one of his starts and struggled in his first outing of the year as a starter. Didn't make it out of the first inning. Gave up four runs on two hits, including three walks. He gave up a home run uh, and only struck out a batter. So far this season for the Tribe, he's got an eleven an eleven point one two ERA. Uh, He's got, let's see, yeah, he's got uh, five two and two-thirds innings and four appearances, only one of them being a start, and he's allowed seven runs all earned, including a homer. He's walked five, but he's also uh, he's also struck out six, so um, he's missing some bats, but clearly the command is not coming around, which is kind of expected for Tommy John outpatience, but 
you know, Cody Anderson's had a long road back from Tommy John surgery, so, you know, it's just a question now of whether or not he is going to be able to figure things out in Cleveland versus maybe they send him back to AAA and let him figure things out there because there's more of a sense of urgency in Cleveland for him to get it right, and maybe that's putting too much pressure on him at this point in his recovery and getting his trying to get his uh, feet back under him as far as his uh, mechanics and his pitching goes. But I don't know. This, this one start did not uh, – boost any confidence as far as him being a viable replacement for Kluber at this point. Maybe not. I don't know. I, I, I still feel like Cody Anderson's probably better off as a reliever. He's got, you know, still, still throws 95 and has a good changeup. His problem is, like you said, still the command. And he gets overamped in that first inning. He comes like he's in the, in the relief appearances he had when he was coming up to cover for the bullpen when it was taxed. He would come out in the first inning. He'd be really rough for the first few batters, and he'd come out for like a second inning. He'd look great. Just gets overamped that first inning. So maybe eventually they figure that out with him. But I, eventually, I think I just think he's a reliever long term. But I, I think obviously he's going to be better than he was against the Mariners. As Adam Plutko works his way back, I still think Anderson's going to get two or three more starts. Now, if the next couple go that bad, they might have to reevaluate if he can really hold down the fort until Pluck goes back, which shouldn't be too long, even though he didn't make out of the first thing in his first rehab start. But, um, you know, he's going to make the next scheduled turn, and we'll see what happens. I, I've always been a big fan of Cody Anderson. I don't make any, you know, bones about that. I don't I don't hide my bias. I've always felt like he can be a big league arm. I just – I still think he's more of a, a reliever long term. But I did hear today that – he talked to Trevor Bauer about his curveball. So if Bauer helped out, you know, Bieber and helped out Clevenger and, and Neil Ramirez, maybe he can offer some advice to Anderson and Anderson can go four innings next time. Out. Maybe just allow four runs. Oh, you mean player pitching coach Trevor Bauer? I'm, I'm, I'm here for that. You know what? Like I said before, I'm all here for that. If they, if that entices him to stay, let him be the pitching coach as and a pitcher. Go for it. I'm I'm all for it. I know he wouldn't get along with everybody, but I'm here for it. Yeah, it's uh, definitely uh, cool to see that uh, he's able to have that impact on some of the younger guys. So, um, on the later side of uh, rotation substitutes, uh, Jeffrey Rodriguez or Jeffrey Rodriguez. I keep wanting to say Jeffrey. It's uh, but I know it's Jeffrey Rodriguez and. <laughs> He was uh, given a piece of good news after his last start where he pitched pretty well against the White Sox. Um, Terry Francona came out to the mound and took him out of the game and told him that he's up to stay with the big league club from for the foreseeable future. So uh, he definitely uh, seemed happy about that. I, was, I watched that post-game interview talking through uh, the translator. He said definitely had a smile on his face when – he talked about Tito telling him that uh, he was up to stay with the team. So, and I think he's earned it. He's uh, probably not going to be a starter long term, kind of the same way that Anderson is. But I say, I say as long as he's pitching well as a starter, just keep running him out there because he's certainly doing well so far. Uh, uh, 241 ERA. I mean, his his uh, fielding independent pitching is uh, 355. His XFIP is 435. You know, it increases as you dig deeper into the numbers, but um, like I said, for the time being, I'd say run him out there while, he, while he's pitching well because, you know, you're looking for somebody to fill in short term, and if Rodriguez is pitching well, I say let him have at it because uh, he's done nothing to uh, show that he doesn't deserve the chance so far. Yeah, it's really impressive how his command is, and he's not really walking guys, which – that's been a huge problem for him in the minors is control. He missed a few more bats yesterday, but he's not really striking a ton of guys out. But he's keeping the ball on the ground. He's not walking guys. And I know he got in a little bit of trouble last night or uh, Tuesday night with the walks uh, at times. But, yeah, I, they've been really fortunate that he has been as good as he ha- has been because, like I said, his command in the minors was, was not all that good and – He's really 
really mostly a fastball pitcher. The curveball is not bad, but he's really just going up there and letting the sink on his fastball work in his favor. And he's not missing a ton of bats with it, but it's working. And they, I think they couldn't be more fortunate how that's worked out. It could have been really bad if he Absolutely. had the same command as he had in the minors. Yeah, we could be looking at uh, trying to fill two rotation spots with a bunch of depth guys who probably aren't suited to pitch more than uh, fill fill and start here and there. But Rodriguez has really been a uh, a lifesaver for this uh, rotation. I mean, you talk about his ground ball rate. He's at uh, 56.1% right now, and his three starts with Cleveland. and Columbus, that's at uh, 55.6%. So uh, he's had a little more... Uh, Issues with command uh, in the minors, as you said. I mean, he was walking batters at four, four, almost four and a half per nine innings. So far in Cleveland, he's at a little under two and a half per nine. So definitely doing well on that front, and he's earned a chance to stay in Cleveland and see if he can do it over uh, the long haul, at least until Mike Clevenger is healthy, which hopefully should be soon. But uh, good for Jeffrey, Jeffrey Rodriguez. He's uh, Definitely pitching well and earning the respect of Terry Francona and uh, the rest of the team. So, What I wanted to spend the last portion of the show about talking about, though, uh, was the, the Indians' offense. And I know they've been playing better lately. They've won a couple games, uh, took the series from Chicago to finish off that homestand. But they're still not great offensively, not really in good shape at all. And I know that a lot of it was because... You know, Lindor's been out, Kipnis has been out, uh, Ramirez has been pretty much lost at the plate until recently, and but the absences of guys like Michael Brantley and Lonnie Chisholm, Jan Gomes, even, heck, even Edwin Encarnacion uh, has left the team in a rut offensively. I mean, they're bottom of the league, 28th, 29th. Uh, Anywhere below 25th in the league offensively in most major offensive categories, including batting average, slugging percentage on base, weighted runs created plus, OPS, uh, team offensive war, weighted on base average, batting average on balls in play. All of it's just been in the basement uh, as far as the major league rankings are concerned for the Tribe, so... The only teams they've been pretty much consistently ahead of in those categories have been the Marlins and uh, sometimes the Reds, who we both know are not great offensively either. So uh, they're not in great company as far as that's concerned. Not when the uh, National League has pitchers hitting. Yeah, not great. Not great at all. So uh, the question I have is how do we fix this offense? I mean... Ooh. It's it's tough to do with limited resources. Who knows what they're going to try to do with the trade deadline, if if anything. But uh, we know that there's probably going to be almost no free agents coming in. At least none that are of any significance. Uh, so is the question is, does somebody like Oscar Mercado or Yu Chang or Bobby Bradley, uh, do they help this offense and fix it in any way if they brought brought them up? Uh, can they f- actually fix this, these issues internally, or do they have no other choice if they want to be a contending offense and uh, work themselves back in the World Series conversation? Um, do they have no other choice but to go uh, for external help via trade? That's a really tough question. Like, I, I really don't. I mean, can you really can you really call up Oscar Mercado and Bobby, or Bobby Bradley, whoever, and say, "All right, fix our offense"? Like, are you really going to sit there and say our, our season, the Indian season, is going to is going to hinder on whether whether or not the two rookies can improve the offense from being worst in baseball to not worst in baseball? I mean, I know there's nowhere to go but up, but it's just I find it really this is this what I've struggled with. I think Mercado should be up. For sure should be up. There's no reason for him not to be up. They just need to find a spot for him and figure out how long, much longer they decide they're going to go with Cargo. I don't really know about Bobby Bradley as much. He's still striking out a lot, and you know we know we know he's not playable against left-handers. We know he's a first base only. 
kind of log jams the out, uh, the roster a little more, but offense is offense, I guess, you know, regardless of roster construction, you just need to score more than two runs a game or not get shut out two out of three days. But I don't know. I mean, can you, can you really say like, that's your answer is, is okay. Well, we're, the offense is going to have to be fixed by two rookies and hoping Jose Ramirez gets it going, you know, like, if that's your answer, there's a, a lot of a lot up in the air and a lot of issues with that if that doesn't go well. Because then you got to send those guys back down if they're not the answer. That's not good. Then then what? What do you do if those two guys don't help your offense turn around and Jose Ramirez doesn't get it going? So you then, say uh, get it? Uh, yeah, and I they think... Gotta make a trade. They ha- they're going to have to make trades. They're going to have to, and... Uh... So then, if they, if we find out that they're unable to bring in anybody of any significance, I mean, maybe they can bring in some middle tier hitters uh, to try and help this line fill out this lineup a little more. But maybe they can't go out and get the big hitter that they need. Because um, I don't know. Because um, the big time hitters that are out there, unless they're still in. They're still in their uh, arbitration years and they're not getting paid a whole lot. I don't see them going out and trading for uh, a big-time hitter who's probably going to have a big contract attached to them um, given the financial constraints that, that they've already made public. I mean, if they didn't have the financial constraints that they did, I don't think that they would have let Michael Brantley walk. Um, now, that might be different if for in the case of like Josh Donaldson, but... I think that they would have kept Michael Brantley if they if they really felt like they had a chance of doing so within and they had the resources to do so. The fact that they didn't that's what makes it highly unlikely to me that they would actually go out and trade for a big time hitter. I mean, like I said, they might trade for some uh middle tier guys who could fill out the lineup a little bit more and make them make it a little bit more uh of a complete cohesive unit, but Beyond that, I don't see it happening just based on how the offseason played out. I know that's not what Indians fans want to hear because they probably want to see the Indians active at the trade deadline, but I'm just saying realistically, I don't, from my point of view, I don't see it happening. Well, Indians fans want them to go out and sign Dallas Keiko like to yesterday, so there's a lot of things that aren't going to happen that Indians fans want. I, uh, it depends. I mean, who's who's going to be out there? They've, they, you know what? They've at least made trades the last few years. They've, you know, they got Miller, they got Ham, they got Jay Bruce. They've at least made moves. They've proven that if they're in the race, they're going to make trades. You know, it just stinks that they're waiting to potentially do that and dip into the farm system as it's getting really good again. And what and you, you don't know what you're going to get and and you got to hope you're going to survive until then too like what happens if what happens if they get to June and they're like five or six games out you know do you do you still go for it do you do you think that's a reasonable shot to get there i mean i i don't the problem is i don't think they have anybody to trade unless they go out and trade guys they shouldn't be trading because that's a, a point of no return like you know Bauer Kluber or obviously not Kluber cuz he's going to be hurt but you know, Bauer, Lindor, Ramirez, Brad Hand, or Clevenger, you know, those guys you can't trade because if you do that, you can just kiss the fan base goodbye, you know, forever for next however many years. But what do they do if, if they're five or six out? Do they just stand pat? You know, I mean, it's it's a hard – they've put themselves in a really tough place, and you don't even know who's going to be out there. It's it's true. I mean, it's tough to speculate in early May, but this is the situation the Indians are in, and you talk about being five, six games out in in June, that's not out of the question. They're four games out already. The Twins are playing very well right now, and I don't think that, as we discussed last week uh, with the Kluber injury, I don't think that uh, playoffs are a guarantee at this point. And because we know they're not making a wild card spot if they don't make the division, winning the AL Central is their best shot at the playoffs, and that took a major hit when uh, that line drive hit Kluber's arm and uh, broke it. So, yeah. Let's just say I hate to say that 
all their entire season hinged on one injury, but maybe it was just one too many. Um, I'm not saying that the season's over. I don't want to be one of those people who says the current season over in May. Anything could happen, but with everything that has happened and the way the offense is playing, they can't lean on their pitching staff right now. So if they can't fix the offense, where is this? Where does it leave this team? Even if they do make the playoffs, they're not going to be in it very long if they don't have uh, an offense that can score more than two runs a game or they have they don't have a full-strength pitching staff. Where does it leave this team? Well, that's that's what put them in the, the spot they're in is they the way they decided to approach the, ro- the roster coming into the year and, and the payroll, I guess, to an extent, is they left themselves no room for error with injuries and they got – the worst injuries that could have happened to them were Lindor getting hurt, which luckily he wasn't out too long. And then anybody on the pitching staff, especially two, you know, that, that was like worst case scenario doomsday and, and all those things happen. So now they're fighting to, to stay alive. I, I think they can survive. We talked about this last week. I think they can survive one pitching injury because the rotation is that good, but, I always felt like they were going to need, like I said, they're going to need Kluber to get back to being Kluber if they were going to win this division, and they need Clevenger back. But they're going to have to make a move. And, and like you said, I don't know where this puts them. This They won today or you know Thursday, and they won Wednesday on the walk-off homer. You know, I guess their best hope right now is Jose Ramirez remembers that he's Jose Ramirez and you know, starts carrying the offense for a few weeks and gets them a little closer until they're healthy and can make a decision or can say that Mercado is able to help out instead of, you know, watching this Carlos Gonzalez experiment. Yeah, I don't know. And I don't want to over-speculate because it still is early May and it's, unless you're more than like 10 games out in in May it's it's irresponsible to to make any kind of de- declaration of the season uh at this time of the year but the prospects don't look good at this point for the Indians uh given their situation and where they are in a stand if they were still in the lead or at least within one or two games of the division lead then maybe I would think differently but I just don't see it being with them being uh, three and a half, four games out right now, uh, how it, how the expectation for winning, making the playoffs, can be anything more than, you know, yeah, it's it's still possible, but it's not anywhere close to a guarantee as it was even just a few weeks ago. They're definitely not favorites to win the division now. But you and I said that last week, and I think it's starting to become a reality. They're not favorites for the division, and and you know. It, it, you have to also give credit to the Twins. They've they've played really well. If the Twins were stumbling, you know, the Indians would be in a better spot. And they're not in a bad spot. They're just not in a good spot. They're kind of in between. But you also have to acknowledge the Twins are are playing really well and they're making it difficult for the Indians. Yep. And uh, we'll certainly see how that all plays out. Hopefully the Indians can scrape together a few wins, make up some ground, and keep them – Treading water until these guys get healthy, but that's all something that we're just going to have to wait and see. Uh, Jose Ramirez, you mentioned, he's not hitting at Jose Ramirez levels, but he's got an on-base streak that right now sits at 18 games. He's bat- slashing 269, 388, and 413 in that span. Again, not great numbers, but certainly better than where he was. And on the flip side, you got Jason Kipnis, who still is having trouble finding his stride. He is slashing uh a buck ninety seven with a two sixty nine on base and a two sixty eight slugging. That's not that's never good when your on base is higher than your slugging percentage. Um so well, sure Yandy Diaz. <laughs> oh that's true. Let's not go there. <laughs> uh should we be con- concerned about Jason Kipnis uh finding his stride this season? Uh I know this is his walk year, and he had vowed to make it a good one so that the Indians fans will remember him in a positive light, but it's not off to a great start so far, and maybe the injury had something to do with it, him getting a late start. Um, And then you got Jose Ramirez starting to turn things around a little bit at the plate. 
basically two sides of the spectrum going on right here between Ramirez and Kipnis. And what are we? What are the expectations for both of them moving forward, both positive and negative? Ramirez, I, 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 there's no way you, he's going to be this bad all season. I mean, he's still hitting the ball as hard as he did. He's hitting the ball harder than he did last year. Um, you know, he's just trying to use the field more, and I think he got away from trying to turn on fastballs and. Everything else with Ramirez looks good. I think he just has to figure out the plant, the plate, and I'm I'm really not worried about Ramirez. Is he going to be? Is he going to be a top three MVP candidate again? Probably not. I think the league has at least adjusted him enough where he's got to, you know, adjust back. But every, everything you look at numbers wise, exit velocity is still good. He's just, he's getting a little unlucky. He'll get there. I'm actually not even that worried about Kipnis. I think Kipnis is going to be a little bit better, too. Uh, the last few weeks, he's been – I think the last couple of games, he's even been better. He had four hits between between Monday and Tuesday, I think. So I think he's doing a little better. I think he'll be okay. Yeah, he had two hits, two hits on Monday, two hits on Tuesday. No hits last night. Uh, and then I don't think he had a hit today. He might have had a walk. I think he'll get there. You know, you got to remember, it's still spring training for for him, too. I think he's still getting back back into the swing of things. And, and you're not asking him to be 2016 Jason Kipnis. You're, you're hoping for him to be a league average second baseman. And I, I still think he can do that. I still think there's enough left in there. He's playing really good defensively, too. I think there's, well, you know what? I would say there's something to that. But at the same time, the Indians offense is worse than baseball, worse than National League offenses with a pitcher. So I guess there's really not much to be said about defense because they need to hit. Maybe defense isn't that big of a deal if they can't if they can't score runs, but definitely not worried about Ramirez. Only a little bit worried about Kipnis because of the last two years. But I think if he's healthy, he'll at least be better. Yeah, you would think. I mean, there's for somebody who has been around as long as he has and still within the prime of his career um you know he's getting a little older he's oh he's uh on the north side of 30 now but um i would think that he could be better than a 197 batting average so you know he's i know over the last couple of years he's turned into the uh fans new uh, whipping boy i mean there's always one uh, on the team and that more recently has turned into being jason kipnis um, and I agree with you about Jose Ramirez. I think that this recent on-base streak is just proof that he's just lying in wait for those balls to start falling in, and, you know, him turning on that home run had to feel good. He That looked like vintage Jose Ramirez right there, him turning and pulling the ball a little bit more with authority, so definitely good to see that. And I know he's been getting on base very well, drawing walks. So I don't have very many concerns about him. When he was when it was early on in the season, he was popping up the ball a lot, not drawing a lot of walks. I was mildly concerned about that, but it seems like he's starting to round into form. And hopefully, this on base streak should signify the start of him getting locked in at the plate. So. That would really help the offense if that were to happen, because so far it's been Carlos Santana and precious help from whoever else has been hot on any given game. Yeah, I mean, I think Jake Bowers is getting it together a little. I There's nobody else, though. Like, I think uh, Roberto Perez has been better lately, but you're not counting on those guys. Tyler Naquin has been like good in weird random spots where you're like, Oh, this is it for Tyler Naquin. This is the end. He's not going to be, they're going to set him down. And then he gets a walk off hit or gets a two run single. And then he's like, Oh, that's, that's a few more weeks in the big leagues. Like, I don't know. This offense hinges on Ramirez and Lindor being MVP candidates and Santana being steady and, Cargo and Bowers being the the fourth and fifth best hitters, and everybody else kind of falling behind that. So that's best best case scenario with who they got. And I, I don't know. I haven't been impressed with Carlos Gonzalez. I think if anybody's, I mean, I, I thought Naquin would be the guy to go. 
for for Mercado, but now I'm thinking, how much longer do they wait on Carlos Gonzalez before they think they've seen enough? Yeah, I know. <clears throat> he started off well. He had a couple home runs early, but it's been kind of all the same trajectory as uh, as uh, Hanley Ramirez. Hanley Ramirez had a couple big home runs early on in his tenure. And then kind of fell off after that, and Cargo's kind of following the same path. Yeah, he's down, like, way down in exit velocity and all the X stats, hard hit rate. I'm not going to get into all of them, but he uh, he's down in all of them. Except for sprint sprint speed. Sprint speed's pretty good. That's that's about it. He's looked okay defensively the last few nights. I, I don't see it with him. I think, I've, I think we've probably seen enough of him at this point all right so we'll see what happens and i would like to see mercado brought up i mean he's kind of falling off as far as his batting average goes but you know when he gets on base he's still wreaking a lot of havoc i think he's up to 14 stolen bases already on the year so uh he's doing okay, very- so they just if they're gonna do it they have to you can't have you just can't hinge the offense on on mercado saving it for the team, you know? Yeah, I don't want to set too many expectations on Mercado coming up and everybody expecting him to be the savior. I don't want to set that expectation, but I do think that the Indians are in a position where what do they got to lose at this point? And were they going to keep trotting out uh, Tyler Naquin or Cargo or somebody who we know their upside is limited versus a guy like Mercado who has um, much higher upside who... We are not sure how high it could be at this point. Yeah, uh, well, it can't be any worse, right? I mean, you just don't want to ruin a guy's career by being like, oh, you have to save our season. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, But um, we'll see what the Indians do. We know that they cut bait with Hanley pretty quick, so I would assume that the same MO could be put in place for uh, Gonzalez, but... I think, I think he's had more at-bats than Hanley did at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you might be right about that. but So uh, we'll see if Ramirez continues to get locked in, if Kipnis continues to struggle, or if he's able to figure things out as well. Because, face it, the Indians need both of them. I mean, I know that Kipnis hasn't been at him quite himself the last couple of years, but the, the Indians need him probably this year more than any other year uh, previously because... You know, he is one of the elder statesmen on this team, if not the elder statesman on this team now, outside of uh, the pitching staff. Uh, he's the guy that the the veteran that these guys are going to look to who's been around a while, and he needs to step up and maybe not be as good as Lindor Ramirez, but he needs to be somewhat uh, serviceable and be a leader on this team both on and off the field. Yeah, for sure. They they need someone to step up behind. I mean, I think Lindor is getting back in. I think you can see good things from him. But if Ramirez gets it going, you need to – those two can carry the lineup if they have a little bit of help around them. It just depends on who who ends up being the help. Yep. So, all right. Well, we covered a lot of ground tonight, and I know nope, – No roster game tonight? No roster games tonight. I was thinking about uh, breaking out a uh, breaking out like a Mariners or a uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> trying to think of an, an Oakland A's roster game. Who knows? Uh, oh, that's a good one. I I don't even know who. It's Chris Davis and like Jonathan Lariano, the the guy who's making all the insane catches and. You're thinking of the, uh, oh, the, geez, in, the Indian Floriano. <laughs> oh, dang. See, I, see, I feel that Jonathan. game already. Yeah, Jonathan Loriano is the uh, catcher for the, uh, I don't know if he's with the Hellcats or he's still with the Captains. Um, I've got a roster game we can end on. Guess, I'm going to give you an outfielder for the Indians. You can guess where, you can guess who he is, and I'll tell you where he's playing this year. So he, the Indians traded for him in 2015. Uh, Zach Walters. Not Zach Walters. <laughs> um, he was with them up until last oh, year. Uh, oh, dang. Um, up until last year. 
yeah, who was the other? Not James Ramsey. No, he's been not. he's gone been gone a couple years. Twenty fifteen. Until last spring, he didn't make the team out of spring training. Oh, the, I feel like I should know this, but it's I, I'm just blanking right now. I I I thought James Ramsey because I know they traded for him in twenty fifteen. Switch hitter. Whew. Switch hitter traded he in twenty. Got suspended for PEDs one year. I believe that was twenty sixteen. He got suspended for PEDs. Oh man, I I I'm I don't know. I I give up. It's Abe Almonte. <laughs> Abe Almonte, is he with Kansas City right now? He is with the Evansville Otters of the Frontier League. Wow, Kansas City didn't even keep him around. He was with Arizona in the spring. Okay. I feel like we just stole a bit from Zach Meisel with the Brandon Indian, but I wanted to I wanted to end with a roster game, so <laughs> I thought it might be kind of fun to... I, I, it only came up because I... I saw I was going through the Frontier League rosters just to see if there were any ex, ex you know prospects or Indians on there and the only one I really saw There's was a few. I know Abel Zach Monte. Walters. I know Zach Walters is playing in the American Association. That's what made me think of him. Ooh, wow, that's rough. I don't know if the Frontier League's any better, but I, I just happened to see Abe Almonte on the Evansville Otters roster and thought that was interesting. I was like, Wow, for a guy who was in major league camp this year to being out of baseball, that's pretty crazy. Wow. You're out of, I guess, MLB affiliate baseball. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have known that. I, I would have assumed he was still with the Royals, so how about that? And, uh, <laughs> yeah, now I'm thinking, like, where's James Ramsey? This is what I like to do. Sometimes I get into, into those uh, <laughs> time sucks on uh, online on baseball reference going through, uh, like, American Association or Frontier League rosters mm-hmm. just to see who's, like, oh, this guy's here now. <laughs> and, uh yeah. So, uh, looking at next week's games, Justin, we've got the A's. We've got a West Coast swing coming up here starting on Friday as this comes out. Uh, Cody Anderson, speaking of which, is making a second start of the year. He'll be going up against uh, Frankie Montas. Uh, Saturday, you got Bauer going up against Aaron Brooks. Sunday, it'll be Jeffrey Rodriguez against... Well, this is weird. It says Frankie Montas again. I'm assuming that's an error. Um, and Man, then they we're in Oakland. <laughs> well, who knows? Um, and after that brief West Coast swing, they're coming back to the Midwest to uh, face the White Sox again in Chicago. So, then, so on Monday they'll be facing them. Uh, pitching matchups to be determined. Uh, that will be a brief two-game series. More weird April schedule. Uh, or, or not even April, it's May now, but uh, more weird early season schedule scheduling. I mean, a three-game West Coast trip followed by two games in Chicago, that, and then an off day before they uh, come back home against the Orioles. I mean, I don't know. It seems like we – I know complaining about scheduling is in baseball is a annual occurrence, but it seems like it's more year, weird than usual this year, at least on the Indians' uh, side of things. Yeah, well, this will be their last. They go, they're going to Chicago at the end of this trip, and then they yeah. don't do Chicago again until September. Wow, how about that? Yeah, so I, all, I heard Hamilton saying that today. So all the games uh, coming up, with the White Sox are at home then? Well, no, they're, they're going to Chicago, and then right on this trip when they come back from Oakland. Yeah, yeah, and then after yeah, that... They don't see Chicago again at all until September. They play September. They play Chicago twice in September. Once at home, once on the road. Well, dang. So, so that must that means they've gotten a lot of those games out of the way early. Well, yeah, they had three three opening day, and then this was seven. Then they'll play three more next week. So that's ten. Oh, that's right? two actually. Oh, two. So nine, seven, nine. Yeah, so, so they nine. Still have eight, ten, so they still they have like eight ten. or nine more. Yeah. Yeah, they play play nineteen games against them. So. Yeah, not many left. Well, that's it. 
That's interesting. Uh, you see, you don't often see a gap like that between division opponents. So uh, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. All right. Well, uh, we got those games coming up. Uh, West Coast swing in Oakland. I know uh, the A's are riding high. Mike Fires just threw that no hitter, his second no no of his career. And don't uh, hit Ramon... the ball to center field or Ramon Laureano. Don't hit yeah, the ball not to John, field. not Jonathan Laureano. <laughs> that would be quite a feat if Jonathan Laureano was uh, made that catch in center field for the A's. But, uh, no, it was Ramon Laureano who's been known for his uh, defense so far this year. So, uh, the A's look like they're, they could be a pesky team. I mean, I don't know what their playoff chances look like right now, but uh, they could be a tough customer if uh, given the right circumstances. Yeah, they have been. And you know what? The Indians have not played well in Oakland either in the last couple of years. They've not played well out there. So, that's, that's always scary. Right. So, uh, yeah, we'll uh... – See how that series goes, and then two more in Chicago before they say goodbye to the White Sox for until September. Um, yeah, literally, it's so weird. They I know. Don't play. They play four, and then three in September. I mean, between all the weird off days in April, as as per usual, and then they had two a full homestand of interleague games in uh, mid to late April. I, I I didn't understand that. It's Sometimes I, I wonder what, what they're thinking with the schedules. They're thinking like, hey, let's just try this this year and see what happens. Well, heck, they played Minnesota the first weekend of the year, and they don't In play Minnesota, them. Until, yeah. Yeah, and they don't play until June now. It's, it's very hard to figure out, and I would it's love really to be hard. in a room when guys are making schedules and seeing what goes to those decisions. So, But we're not here to uh, speculate on that. Um we did that all last year. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, do you have anything you need to plug, Justin, before we get out of here? Hmm. Well, the usual three up, three down column uh, coming out Monday. Um, when you're done listening to this podcast, if you haven't already, you can go to 92.3.com and hear my interview with uh, Mike Chico Borman. We talked to some prospects uh, before you and I jumped on to record this. So that's over at 92.3 when you're done listening to this. Uh, and then next Saturday, not this Saturday, but next Saturday for sure, we will have our first Diamond in the Rough. I, I have that list ready to go. I just need to send it to you if you're Perfect. back yep, into I, that. Yep, I look forward to that and uh, look forward to that next week. I will have four thoughts coming up. I have some thoughts on Eric Haas. I guess he's actually been playing pretty well in Columbus lately. Still striking out a ton, but his walk rate is up and uh, he's hitting for a ton of power right now. So, Eric Haas uh, bombs. So uh, we'll see what uh, what that brings, and if uh, if that means we might see Eric Haas in Cleveland anytime soon, who knows? But I know that they're thin on catching depth, so maybe not. No matter how well he's playing, but uh, I got some thoughts on him. James Karinchak's promotion, um, a lot of good stuff in this week's column. So that will be posted shortly after this podcast is posted, and then next week I'll be doing the Rubber Ducks Notebook. So uh, check that out as well. And uh, also the uh, Farm Report podcast, uh, Corey and I, I always get into the minor league stuff. And uh, this past week, we talked a lot of a lot of pitching this past week uh, with the Kluber injury. We talked about guys in AAA who could fill in for him beyond the Cody Andersons and Jeffrey Rodriguez's. So uh, check that out. Uh, we also give some updates on Karen Chak's promotion uh, and also – Brady Aiken, the whereabouts of Brady Aiken, which were uh, made public uh, finally uh, over the last week. So uh, check that out as well. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jake D Baseball. Justin's at JL underscore baseball. You can uh, follow us there on Twitter. Follow the podcast account on Twitter at SmokeSignalsIBI, as well as the site account at uh, – Official underscore IBI. All the links, all the breaking news, everything you can find there. Um, hopefully things start to look up for the Indians and these podcasts won't have to be so grim moving forward. But, you know, we are only we only can work with uh, so much. And, you know, the Indians have had their moments. But overall, it has been very frustrating, to say the least, so far this year. Hopefully things will start look, looking up moving forward. Can't be any worse, at least offensively. Yeah, so uh, we'll see if things start to get better starting next week. Uh, hopefully they we're talking about a good road trip in uh, Oakland and Chicago, and maybe they're starting to 
put together a little bit of a run here. But, again, that's something that we'll just have to wait and see. It's kind of been the theme of the year is wait and see what happens because it's too soon to throw in the towel, but definitely a lot of cause for concern at this point. But we're going to hang on and see what happens because that's what you do in over a 162-game season. Yeah, well, it's not even Memorial Day yet, so you can't really, you know, judge everything just yet. So hopefully there's time for things to even out like Hosier and Aries. Right. All right. So uh, great show tonight, Justin. Um, looking forward to speaking again next week, uh, hopefully with some happier news to discuss. Until then, though, for Justin Lada and the Smoke Signals podcast, I'm Jake Dungan, and we say to you, have a good one. For questions and comments, you can email us at smokesignals at indiansbaseballinsider.com. Also be sure to follow us on Twitter at SmokeSignalsIBI, where you can find links to all our shows, as well as poll questions and other cool podcast stuff. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.